If you love the History Extra podcast, make sure you follow us to keep up to date and get all the latest episodes. Thanks for your support, and I do hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. seems to bring out great art. I mean, no, no, no reason to have a war, but it tends to bring out some of the sort of deepest and most creative qualities. You know, I think, I think there is something about the feeling that your, your own personal life is at stake here that kind of, you know, reinforces the creative instincts and brings out something that's uh, that's really really of a higher quality that was john simpson on music and the second world war you're listening to the history extra podcast from bbc history magazine we're the uk's best-selling history magazine available in print and several digital formats all over the world find out more at historyextra.com forward slash subscribe or look out for us in your digital newsstand or app store. Hello and welcome to the History Extra podcast. I'm Rob Attar, the editor of BBC History magazine. Today's interview is with John Simpson, a BBC reporter for more than half a century, who is currently the corporation's world affairs editor. On Thursday, 7th of February, he's co-presenting a documentary on BBC4 that explores the role of classical music in Britain before, during and after the Second World War. And this was the subject of his conversation with our digital editorial assistant, Rachel Dinning. They met up recently at Broadcasting House in London, and here's how their conversation went. 
So I'm joined today by BBC World Affairs Editor John Simpson. So welcome, John, to the History Extra podcast. It's great to have you. Very nice of you to have me on. So by way of introduction, John has worked for the BBC for over 50 years. He's reported from countries around the world on stories including the fall of the Berlin Wall, the end of apartheid in South Africa and many more. But today we're talking about his interest in classical music as part of the BBC season Our Classical Century, which celebrates the most memorable musical moments from 1918 all the way through to 2018. So, John, perhaps a good place to start would be where where did your love of classical music begin? Well, I think it began with Benjamin Britten and the Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra. Thing is, we had a an, a, an ancient, um, a much played seventy eight um, record of of it. And perhaps more importantly, really, um, we lived about only uh, about ten miles away from uh, Benjamin Britten uh, in, and from Snape on the Suffolk coast, and so there was something kind of uh, local about about Britain. Um, and then, by extension, there was something sort of extra attractive about his his music. And that's the first bit of classical music that I can remember listening to with any kind of interest or 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 enthusiasm before that you know it was quite uh, quite it seemed to be quite a sort of heavy old business but um listening to uh listening to something that was written for somebody i suppose of my age. Um, How old were you then when you first? Well, that must have been heard? about I don't know ten or something. Okay, ten or I, I can't. Yeah, ten it would have been, and it it just um, you know I, I I felt somebody had kind of reached out to 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 speak to single me out and speak to me, and um, it just it just was uh, was really really exciting. And then I just became aware more and more. My my father would go uh, to 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 Snape to you know, to uh, concerts and things. I wasn't, uh, well, I I don't think I would have gone if I'd been invited, really. But, um, you know, it, it, but there was, there was definitely something there between me and music in general, classical music in particular, and Benjamin Britten in, in very particular. So for our listeners who don't know who Benjamin Britten is, do you want to just tell, tell them a little bit about who he was? Yes, I... Uh, Benjamin Britten was a, a really fine British composer, one of the the finest that we've that we've had. Um, and he uh, he was uh, he went to America during the Second World War, but came back because he felt that was his patriotic duty. And he wrote the kind of operas which lifted British music onto the level. Of European music, you know, we've always been a, a bit sort of uh, <laughs> offshore, as it were, and uh, music was never quite the British thing, but um, it, with some major exceptions. But um, Benjamin Britten made um, modern music uh, um, a, a British forte, and that that was really really important, I think. 
Um, I've been reliably informed that <laughs> when you reported from war zones, you would take along your iPod and you would actually listen to classical music whilst out there. Absolutely. I mean, it's my kind of anchor to reality sometimes when things can be quite, quite difficult, you know, and um, it's a way of, of sort of calming um, fears and uh, and sort of uh, just plugging yourself back into a, a a better kind of you know a, a, a better state of, of of existence than is is you're seeing around you. I particularly I I found it valuable in um, the siege of Sarajevo in ninety in the nineteen nineties, which was one of the worst things I've ever seen with daily, hourly um, um, mortar attacks uh, on the, the inhabitants and um, snipers on every, at every vantage point shooting people down in the streets, people who needed to go shopping and, uh, and get, get food just to save their lives. There wasn't very much food. And altogether, it seemed like the world turned upside down. You know, it just seemed so sort of evil what one was seeing. And I, I found there, in particular, um, uh, playing music just kind of gave me a um, a sanity, which mm. I think might not have been there otherwise. It was a bit of an escape from what was going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what sort of things were on your playlist at that time, if you can recall? Oh, I can't really remember. Um, I mean, lots of Brahms, uh, uh, lots of lots of, uh, uh, of Beethoven, but also I, I've, I've, I've for a long time I've had a real interest in in twentieth um, um, century Russian music. Oh, okay. So, so quite a lot of Prokofiev and uh, uh, quite a lot of Shostakovich, and. You know the thing, the difference between twentieth-century music and the music of previous centuries is that you you had the feeling that somebody like Shostakovich, who lived through the the siege of Leningrad, they they knew how horrible, how dreadful life could be, and they'd kind of worked a way through it. Whereas, you know, I mean, I I, I don't suppose there is a a, a better composer than Mozart for instance but you know he didn't have those 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 fearful the sort of existential mm-hmm. um uh, problems and 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 horrors to to get through that that Shostakovich did with people you know eating human flesh and in order to survive and 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 so on and uh so that really that kind of does talk to somebody that's also had i didn't live through the sieges of of uh of leningrad but i you know i've seen some pretty dreadful things in my time and the thought that somebody can go through that can make high art out of it is just a is a comfort you know well it's interesting because the the period of hi- the period of history that you look at um for BBC's our classical century is so it's the years 1936 to 1953 and obviously this period includes the second world war um so do you look at the second world war in the program what what were your sort of findings about the role of classical music 
the Second World War keeps, uh, you know, breaking in, obviously, yeah. inevitably. I mean, the the bombing of the Queen's Hall just, just uh, outside Broadcasting House here, um, the uh, um, the the way in which uh, the the proms uh, survived, uh, you know, and prospered uh, during the war. That that was uh, that was a really uh, good part of the thing, as far as I be, I was concerned. But um, actually, one of the mo- most interesting things I think was the way in which Shostakovich's Seventh Symphony was the the um, the score of it was smuggled out of. Russia, not smuggled exactly, but was brought out of Russia and brought by an immensely long journey to Britain for its uh, first performance here and um, at at the proms. And that was a um, that was an extraordinary story. It went from hand to hand. You know, it was a, a little plane took it out of uh, of of uh, St Petersburg of, uh, of Leningrad being fired at. Uh, by you know German anti-aircraft fire and the way it made its way across Russia and then down through the Middle East and then some poor character, well, some lucky character, um, had to drive it all all the way from uh, um, I think Jordan right down to Cairo, hour upon hour upon hour. There wasn't any fighting along the road, but you know, really quite a difficult journey. And then it was taken by, picked up by an RAF pilot and brought to London. And, um, you know, again, through all the the, the, the sort of attacks of war. Um, and and then, you know, bingo, there oh, it arrives in a, in a... I didn't know a, music a, could be a, so... A kind of metal have such a dramatic... So exciting. It <laughs> and it's the score of the, the Seventh Symphony. I didn't know music could be so so, have such so exciting. So I know, and you cannot now. Well, I cannot listen to 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 Shostakovich's seventh without kind of you know thinking of all that as well. I mean, you when you listen to it, you you're thinking about the the awfulness of the of and what, what, year what was, that, was going just to clarify, on. But this roughly, gives it, it a sort of extra extra sort of drama. So, what other landmark events um, occur between 1936 and 1953 that, was that are of particular interest from a musical perspective? Well, I mean, the, the other thing we we uh, concentrated on was the 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 coronation of, course, uh, of, yeah. of uh, Elizabeth II and. Um, the uh, the music uh, the music that was played there, particularly um, the the Walton uh, that uh, you know the the pieces that Walton wrote for the coronation, and I'm I'm old enough to remember uh, seeing the coronation. Um, uh, I was eight, I suppose. Was I? When was it? 1953. Yeah, I'd have been eight. You know, so I, it 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 still has a sort of of reality to to me when you know for most people it's just something that they've seen on television or heard about or, or, or something. But to me, it was a mm-hmm. real life uh, um, uh, event which I which I I lived through. And so, and I I must have heard I suppose the Walton music uh, on our on our weird radio. It was broadcast on the radio live, but it was also more importantly in in sort of broadcasting history it was broadcast on television live and um pretty ropey i mean you could <laughs> just about work out what was happening on this tiny 
set. I mean, the one that that uh, we we didn't have one. My father maintained that television was bad for the brain, and uh, you know, I suppose he's been proven entirely right uh, <laughs> in the years since then. But but we went round to some friends who 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 had it. But at the same time, we listened to my father was a great believer in radio, so we we. We listened to the whole thing being broadcast live on radio, which was magnificent, state of the art, um, while at the same time looking at his, uh, these fuzzy Rainy black images. and white uh, images, trying to work out, you know, which was, uh, which was the Queen and which was the Archbishop of Canterbury. It wasn't always absolutely <laughs> obvious in black and white. And... Um, uh, but so you know it was, and, and, and because of the, the it was the coronation, um, because the coronation was coming up, um, enormous numbers of people bought television sets. These these sort of freakish Stone Age um, things, and, and and you know presented it in the corner of the room, and um, that after that televisions future as the, as the sort of mass medium was absolutely assured. It probably would have been anyway, but it was, was quite a launch for it. But uh, it didn't pay, it didn't make any difference to my father who still maintained that it was bad for your <laughs> brain. And uh, so we still listen to the radio. We don't always realise just how much our negative thoughts and experiences stick with us and weigh us down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mum does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it. So your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapists anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash history extra today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash history extra. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So 1936 to 1953, what is it about that time period that is so interesting musically? Why Why should we consider this as, a, as an interesting landmark? Well... You know, war always seems to bring out great art. I mean, no, no, no reason to have a war, 
but it tends to bring out some of the sort of deepest and most creative uh, qualities. I mean, you would think of the stuff that came out of the First World War, and and it was true in the in the in the Second World War in a way that, you know, the twenties and thirties, uh, or after that, the fifties and sixties weren't, um, and. You know, I think I think there is something about the feeling that your your own personal life is at stake here, that reinforces the creative instinct and 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 brings out something that's uh, that's really um, really of a higher quality than, you know, the 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 sort of pleasant sort of levels of peace might have uh, might have done. So I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask, um, so for our listeners who might want to go away from this podcast and look up some music that is a product of the Second World War, where should I, where should we direct them to? Who who should we direct them to? Well, I, I, I would say, I mean, apart from Shostakovich, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who, who for me is is the great uh, the great composer of the second world war and uh, you know i think his his uh, uh, his 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 music is as as uh, as good as it gets but there's others i mean walton himself wrote some lovely um uh, really beautiful film music for instance during the second world war which had nothing very much to do with the with the war itself but the um the uh, you know the film of of henry v he wrote the score for that and um, that'll be well, popular with bat- our listeners <laughs> yes. there's battles of course oh a battle two battles in that of course because there's a siege of of uh, Harfleur and there's the the actual Battle of Agincourt and and um, you know Walton's music also I think you you know you can't live through a war with all the bombing and and all the 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 um, loss of life that 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 it caused without um, finding that kind of affecting what you're what you're writing, and I, so, even though he was writing uh, uh, the score to a film of a of a Shakespeare play, um, you can you can see the quality there, and particularly in the in the the uh, Battle of Agincourt scenes. I mean, absolutely magnificent stuff. That's amazing. Um, so, as we're nearing the end of the podcast, perhaps you could. Um, well, I haven't really done a great deal of listening to classical music beyond some of maybe the more obvious Mozart pieces. What would your recommendations be for someone like me or a listener out there right now who maybe hasn't dabbled in classical music as much as they should? Where should I start and what? how should I sort of approach listening to a classical piece? Well, I'm, I'm not the person to talk about this really because I'm, a, I'm a, a pure amateur i mean i'm not a musician and i don't uh, you know i'm just a listener i'm just mm-hmm. a uh, i'm just a, the you know the chap on the end of his ipod um but i mean there are there are passages or pieces of music which i i just think uh, well i don't know i mean i they they seem to link you to to heaven you know um uh, I mean, I was listening uh, the other day to um, uh, well, I mean, the example that I've 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 always got with me is Rene Fleming's um, um, song to the O Silver Moon from his uh, from his from uh, from Dvorak's opera um, Rusalka, and uh, you know 
it's it's ravishing. I mean, it's not just nice music. It's it 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 takes your 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 soul away. It puts you on another level altogether. And I defy anybody to listen to that and not and not find that in 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 some way. And I, you know, I speak as somebody's tastes are incredibly Catholic. I mean, I, you know, all the way from from Shostakovich to to uh um well all the 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 kind of uh modern rock that I, I've I've also got on my iPod. But I I I just don't think that anything comes close to that uh, to the, to that kind of music and um as i say you know listen to that and you're you're kind of halfway to heaven yes great <laughs> um, and just to sort of sum up um what's the purpose of our classical century why should we focus on classical music do you think we're in danger of of losing our connection with classical music at all oh i don't think so i mean it seems to be amazingly healthy and uh, you know um the numbers of people that that uh, that listen to it are i think greater than 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 ever before in in human history so i think it's all uh, i think it's very healthy um i just i just think it's really important i mean just as i would say uh i wouldn't um i couldn't possibly be without the the jazz and the rock and roll uh, and and other music that I keep other other um, uh, sort of up to date music that I keep and listen to. So I I you know I just think people are are kind of cutting themselves off from a, a real source of a beauty and attraction and and uh, and and delight uh, if they don't listen to to classical music. And it's interesting that you mentioned earlier about your dad talking about the evils of television. Yes. Um, but I'm the living proof. <laughs> one of the wonderful things now is that we've got YouTube and we've got iPods and music so easily. You can just get on the internet tonight and download some songs or even just go on YouTube and search them. You don't even have Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when I when I was young, I, I wanted to, uh, when I was, say, a teenager, and I started to get interested, particularly in, in Prokofiev. I was, uh, was another composer I'm very fond of. But you know, good luck in my in my uh, <laughs> in rural Suffolk or the the suburbs of London where I lived. Good luck finding anything like that. You know, the blank looks that you'd get. And now, as you say, all you need to do. You just, you just, you just get onto the internet, and you've got it, and it's there. And you, one moment you're thinking, I wonder, you know, does it, does does uh, the Oh Silver Moon is it really as good as he says? Next moment you can be listening to it and yeah. saying, no, it's not. And what an idiot, you know, <laughs> or whatever. But Surely but not. you can do it, and uh, that's. That's absolutely uh, fantastic. I mean, that's the sort of in, uh, immediacy that that uh, you know this entire uh, technological revolution has brought us. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. But thank you so much for your thoughts, John. It's been a pleasure. Great pleasure to me. Thank you. That was John Simpson in War and Peace, co-presented by Susie Klein airs on Thursday the 7th of February at 9pm on BBC4. And the documentary is part of the broader BBC Our Classical Century season across TV and radio. You can find out more details on the BBC website.
And that is about all for today, but do listen in on Thursday when Christopher Harding will be exploring the history of Japan. Thanks for listening to this History Extra podcast, which was produced by Jack Fletcher. Do let us know what you think about this episode by emailing podcast at historyextra.com and we might read out your messages in future editions. Alternatively, why not keep in touch via Twitter or Facebook, where you'll find us at History Extra. For more great history content, don't forget to visit our website, historyextra.com, which is full of history articles, quizzes, image galleries and more. Plus, it's where you can download hundreds of previous episodes of this podcast. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.